This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock in Hayesville, North Carolina, and everywhere else on the eastern seaboard. Welcome to a Friday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. Uh, got uh, It's going to be 80 degrees down here today, or 80-plus degrees, but we've got some thunderstorms getting ready to roll in. Uh, hopefully, you folks up in the northeast starting to get a little bit warmer for you. Just make sure I'm coming up there in a few weeks. Just make sure that it's nice and warm by the time I get there, please. Uh, welcome. Uh, well, I, uh, I'm starting to run out of words for how frustrating it is watching the Boston Red Sox this season. I, I mean, I really am. Uh, before I, we, we started this morning, uh, my, my buddy Paul Ajiri from, uh, MiddlesexCountySports.com up in Connecticut said, hey, can the Red Sox score a run? You know, and I'm telling you, uh, that's the part that, that is the most frustrating for me is that I thought pitching was going to be the problem this year. I said the Red Sox were going to have to win games, you know, 8-7, 7-6, because they weren't going to be able to pitch the baseball. And yet here we have Michael Walker, who is suddenly uh, seems to have found the uh, whatever formula it was he had back in 2018. I mean, he look, the last few years he stunk. He hasn't been good since uh, I think it was 2018 or 2019 with the Cardinals. Uh, his last few years have been brutal. He's been great. And, and you know, Rich Hill, uh, five one-hit innings yesterday. You know, Nate Evaldi's been great. Nick Pavetta's been a little disappointing. Garrett Whitlock, his, you know, the three starts they've had him in the rotation, lights out. As a matter of fact, uh, in the last 14 games, the Red Sox starters have an ERA of 1.81. That is the best in the American League. 1.81 for their starters. And yet here they are on Friday, May the 6th, in last place, tied with the brutal, pathetic Baltimore Orioles. That's where we're at. Why? Well, they can't hit a lick. Been shut out twice in the last week. Averaging, what, three and a half runs a game? It's just, uh, it's it's unbelievable. Uh, Trevor, uh, Trevor Story. Struck out four times yesterday against Shohei Otani. Four times. Uh, they've scored 90 runs. To put that in perspective, that's 11 more runs than the 3-22 and 22 Cincinnati Reds have scored. That's how bad this offense has been. It's just, I, I, so I, I don't even know, I don't even know what to do with this anymore. And I, you know, I'm going to see the Red Sox in Atlanta on Tuesday. Going to be uh, uh, at Truist Park. I'm really looking forward to it, I think. I mean, I guess the only, the only, 
saving grace right now is the Braves aren't playing very well either. But man, they've got to figure this out offensively. Look, when you've got when you've got five guys in your everyday lineup hitting like two fifteen or less, you got issues. And it's so bad that uh, uh, there was just a story a couple of days ago. Alex Spear in the Boston Globe said, "Well, you know, Jared Duran and Tristan Cassis are tearing it up in the minors, uh, in AAA, but don't expect to see them in Boston anytime soon." Guess what? Uh, just broke about uh, an hour ago. Jaron Duran is on his way to Boston. Don't know what the corresponding roster move is yet, but Jaron Duran is going to be in a Red Sox uniform uh, starting tonight. And why not? Uh, look, he is hitting 397 in Worcester. And, you know, look, everybody remembers what he did when he came to Boston uh, last year, they started him out on the roster, and he hit 215 and struck out 35% of the time. So everybody has in their head, that's what Jaron Duran is. But let me put it in perspective for you. In the last two years, he's had 350 career plate appearances in AAA. In the last two years. He's hitting 400 with an 1192 OPS against righties and 393 with a 931 OPS against lefties. In 350 plate appearances. In AAA. This isn't somebody playing in the rookie league tearing it up. So, you know, he got off. Look, he was put on the hot spot coming out of spring training last year, and he wasn't ready for it. He didn't pout. You know, he had a great spring training this year. I actually thought he might make the roster out of camp because he, he hit the crap out of the ball and showed his speed, you know, getting the ball on the ground and beating out infield singles on balls that most guys aren't going to get to. But he didn't pout when he didn't make the team. He went down to AAA and just tearing the cover off the ball. My guess is that Frenchy Cordero will probably be headed back down to AAA. I mean, the other, I guess the other candidate would be Cutter Crawford out of the bullpen, but that would leave the Red Sox with just 13 pitches, God forbid, because in this day and age, especially the way Alex Cora likes to wear out a bullpen, I'm not sure they can afford that. But uh, Cutter Crawford hasn't been very good. It wouldn't surprise me if he's the guy that, that goes down. But uh, this is a good move. I'm glad they're not bringing Tristan Cassis up yet. He's just getting to AAA. He needs, you know, the better part of a year down there. You know, you maybe bring him up in July and August if you think you're in it. You know, and the Red Sox will tell you they're not panicking. They're not panicking. But they're 10 and 16. And in that division... You can't afford to fall too far behind. Maybe you don't need to panic yet, but when you're eight and a half back after 26 games, that's a problem. You're eight and a half back of the Yankees in first, and you're five and a half back of the Blue Jays who are in third. And as I said, you know, prior to the year, I thought this this Red Sox team was going to be a fourth-place team, but I didn't think it was going to be because of the hitting. I thought the pitching was going to stink. So that's why I'm just absolutely perplexed to what's going on. And Shohei Otani yesterday, look, I'm going to tell you, and I said that, and, and people, can you can argue till you're blue in the face with me, and I'm still going to say the same thing. He won the MVP last year. He had a great year. But Shohei Otani is not an elite hitter. I think he's a better pitcher than he is a hitter. Now, And you say, you're going to say, what are you, an idiot? He had 46 home runs, drove in 100. I, I get it. 
but he also hit 259, and he also strikes out a lot. And we saw how susceptible he is to striking out in game one of this series. You know, I thought Vlad Jr. should have won the MVP last year, but that's neither here nor there. I mean, he's he was a two-way player, but I think he's a better pitcher than he is a hitter. And yesterday, he was unbelievable. Just made the Red Sox look stupid. Threw 99 pitches, 81 of them for strikes. 81 of 99 pitches for strikes, ladies and gentlemen. That's elite stuff. 29 swings and misses. Of course, I mean, story helped that with, by striking out four times. But, I mean, that was elite stuff. Struck out 11. Didn't walk a batter. You know, I mean, so you got to tip your cap to him. And, you know, every time he needed to come up big, he did. There was a big uh, at-bat midway through the game. Red Sox had a couple of guys on, and Rafi Devers was up. Chance for the Red Sox to score first. This was a nothing-nothing game uh, going into the seventh inning. And Devers is coming up with a couple of guys on, and Otani just reared back and started. All of a sudden, he started grunting. And and Rafi Devers is at the plate, and he's grunting. And Otani just clocked it up to 100 a couple of times and struck him out. And as he's walking off the mound, he is fired up and he's yelling and, and just all pumped up. And I'm telling you, if that at bat works out differently, maybe the game works out differently. Because Rich Hill was great yesterday, dropped his ERA to 2.86 in five starts, struck out six. Guy that can't break a pane of glass with his fastball struck struck two guys out with a fastball yesterday. It was funnier than hell. I think that one fastball was eighty eight and the other was eighty nine, and only allowed one hit. He was great, and then they bring Tanner Houck out of the bullpen, pitches the sixth, and then uh, in the seventh he walks Anthony Rendon one one out and Jared Walsh uh, hooks one around the pesky pole for a two run home run, and then in the eighth. Uh, just how just it blew up. He let the first five batters reach four singles and a hit batter. All five of them scored. He ended up giving up all seven runs or seven of the eight runs. I should say he was terrible, you know, and this is where, you know, people are saying, well, maybe he should be our closer. Well, maybe not. You know, maybe the Red Sox should have thought about that and actually, Signed a closer. There were some out there to be had. Craig Kimbrell could have been brought back from Chicago. You could have had him if you wanted to make a trade. Kenley Jansen was a free agent. You could have had him. But instead, they want to go bullpen by committee, and it's bullpen by, you know, hold-your-nose committee because everybody they've tried to put in that role has stunk. The only guy that's any good in that bullpen, and they don't have him in the bullpen anymore, is Garrett Whitlock. So unless we can figure out how to keep him in the rotation and have him close at the same time, Red Sox are in trouble. So they may not be panicking, but they've got to be concerned. And we'll see if Jaron Duran can, can you know pump some life into this team. I hope so. We'll see who they send down. But, you know, I, I expect Duran to get in here. And I'll, the other thing I think they may do is, you know, having Story been at the top of the lineup may not work. You know, that he may not be comfortable there. It may be one of those things where they bring Duran up, they stick him 
out in the outfield. Put him in left field. Put him in center field if you want. I don't care where you put him. Just get him out there. Put him at the top of the lineup. He's got speed. Let him do his thing. Drop Story down in the lineup a little bit, kind of what they did with Kike Hernandez, and see if he can get himself right. That's all you can do at this point. So we'll see what, again, we'll see what the corresponding roster move is, but a great one. Um, and, and on the opposite side of great games yesterday, and this wasn't a great game, by the way, for eight innings, but what a comeback by the Mets last night. The Mets score seven runs in the ninth inning, come back to beat the Philadelphia Phillies 8-7, and you can see the noose tightening a little, a little more around Joe Girardi's neck in Philadelphia. You know, after those signings at Castellanos and Schwarber and the fact that the Philadelphia Phillies went over the luxury tax for the first time in their history. They've got like a $240 million payroll. This is the club that had never exceeded the luxury tax, and they went for it this year. So much is going to be expected. And if they continue to throw up on themselves the way the, the Red Sox are doing, look, the Phillies are 11-14. and 14. Bullpen's been a problem. They can score runs, but, again, they're, they're having pitching problems. Matter of fact, uh, Castellanos hit a home run last night. Bryce Harper hit a home run. Aaron Nola pitched seven innings. Aaron Nola was great yesterday. He's off to a great start, but you've got a team that's four games under five hundred. And to put yesterday's comeback in perspective for you, according to the Elias Sports Bureau, there had been 857 consecutive losses by Major League Baseball teams trailing by six runs or more in the ninth. 857 consecutive losses when you trail by six or more. Well, and the Mets, uh, the Mets had been behind by that much, 330 times, by the way. <laughs> and they had never won a game being down by that much. And yesterday they did it. Uh, unbelievable. And I'll tell you what, there's a great, uh, sequence on Twitter this morning. Uh, it's about two minutes long, and they cobbled together the comeback and Gary Cohen doing the play-by-play. And it is so. First of all, Gary Cohen's one of the best in the business, I think. You know, I mean, I've known, I, I met Gary a long time ago when he was, you know, kind of first coming up with the Mets and, uh, you know, working uh, working with some of the old guard there. And I've always been a big admirer of his. And then yesterday to listen to him. And with every consecutive hit that happens and every run that scores, you can hear his voice. He's just getting a little bit more and more and more excited as it goes along. Uh, it's all over Twitter this morning. Fine. It's great. It's great. Um, and then Edwin Diaz comes on and uh, uh, pitches a scoreless ninth, and the Mets win. So the Mets are now 19-9. and nine. Right now, as I said yesterday, New York owns baseball right now. 19 and 9 for the Mets, 18 and 7 for the Yankees. A combined 37 and 16 by the teams in New York. Blah. That's where we're at. I need an antacid after just saying that. Great pitching matchup today in the Mets Phillies game, second game of the four game series. Uh, Max Scherzer, 4 and 0. With a two six one ERA, takes the mound for the Phil, uh, for the uh, Mets tonight against Kyle Gibson, who's two and one with a two nine three. And if I'm not mistaken, Max Scherzer has won something like 
15 or 16 straight decisions dating back to last year, if I'm not mistaken. And he wasn't great his last time out, but, you know, his team bailed him out by scoring some runs. But what a game last night. Brandon Nimmo with the game-tying uh, two-run single in the ninth and then Starling Marte, uh, a double that drives him in, and uh, the Mets win. Just fun. And why are the Red Sox, by the way, tied for last place? Well, because the damn Orioles beat the Twins. Ryan Mountcastle, a couple of home runs. Austin Hayes had a home run, cut a guy down at the plate. Um, and uh, the Orioles win. So the Red Sox are tied for last place. Just glorious. Uh, some concerning news out of that game, though, is that Carlos Correa was hit by a pitch in the eighth inning. Or, excuse me, in the fifth inning. Had to leave the game. And uh, there is concern now that he may have a fractured middle finger on his right hand. That would be devastating for this Twins team. You know, and, you know, it, it may it, they're hoping it's just a fracture, but it's one of those things. Are they going to have to do surgery? Uh, you know, is it going to be a couple of weeks or is it going to be six weeks? Uh, they'll know more this afternoon, but, man, that's, uh, that's brutal. Absolutely brutal. So, uh, anyway, so the Red Sox tied for last thanks to the, uh, the Orioles beating the Twins yesterday. Um, the Blue Jays lost yesterday. The Cleveland Guardians beat them. The Cleveland Guardians, I still can't get used to that. Aaron Savali, the kid from East Windsor, Connecticut, wasn't great. Wasn't great at all. Uh, like I said, I root for the kid. My One of my best friends uh, was his uh, little league coach at East Windsor. My daughter went to school with him. Uh, you know, I'd like to see the kid succeed and he, and he got off to a great start, uh, but he's got an ERA in North of six here early in this season. Um, he ends up getting the win thanks to the fact that, uh, his bullpen bailed him out, but, uh, Savali was not good, but Stephen Kwan hit the first home run, uh, of his uh, rookie year. And, uh, they end up beating the Jays six to five friend Mill Reyes with three hits, uh, in this game. And uh, Quan's was a two-run shot off of Jose Barrios uh, that tied it at 2-2 in the 13th. I tell you what, Quan, this is a guy, talk about a guy that's come out of nowhere. You know, and what I love about this kid, when you watch him, you know, he's not a power hitter, but he hits the ball everywhere. He's not one of those guys that you can uh, just shift on all the time. And the kid's hitting 328. So Vlad Jr. with a home run uh, in the game for the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. It's Vlad's seventh of the season. Uh, Bo Bichette went three for five. He's starting to pick it up a little bit. He really had struggled at the plate early in the season. Uh, the guy who's struggling for the uh, the Jays right now, Matt Chapman, who they got from the Oakland Athletics hitting just 211. Uh, but the uh, Blue Jays fall uh, to uh, the Guardians yesterday, 6-5. Uh, but the Rays won. Mike Zanino with a home run against his former team as the Rays beat the Seattle Mariners uh, by a final of 4-3. to three. Tampa Bay now two and a half games behind the Yankees in second place. Tampa just continues to find a way. Tampa's now won four in a row, seven of the last ten. And uh, they're going to have an opener going today. Logan Gilbert's going to make his sixth start of the year for the Seattle Mariners. The Mariners four and a half games back of the Angels. The Angels now, with the win over the Red Sox yesterday, a game and a half clear uh, of the Houston Astros. The Astros did win yesterday. Um, Manny Machado, a couple of home runs yesterday. Uh, the Padres beat the Marlins 2-1. to one. 
the Cardinals beat the Giants. The Giants are in a bit of a funk right now. Uh, did not uh, perform very well against the Los Angeles Dodgers in the series that they just concluded there. They have now lost four in a row. Uh, they're still over 500 as that, uh, that NL West is loaded. Uh, but they are three back of the Dodgers who sit in first place. The Padres with their win yesterday, a half a game back. Uh, and uh, Yadier Molina with a home run yesterday, as I said, um, uh, it, it was his uh, first RBI of the season. Think about that. Uh, so, But they beat the Giants 7-1. to Tommy Edmond uh, drove in three in that game as well. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Dan Zampano is going to join us. We haven't had Dan on in a little while. He's, we're going to talk NFL draft. So we're back in a minute uh, with Dan. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call, and uh, we've been waiting to do this for a little while. Dan Zampano joins us to talk the NFL draft. Dan, uh, first of all, uh, welcome back to the show. We knew we were going to get you here for the draft, and uh, but we're going to grill you here because it sounds like uh, <laughs> your Patriots team, uh, or I shouldn't say your Patriots team, I root for them too, but I mean the Patriots uh, had a very strange draft, and Look, I mean, everybody throws around letter grades like, you know, like they're M&Ms, and they don't really mean a whole hell of a lot. But tell me, how often were you scratching your beard uh, while those picks were being made the first couple of days of that draft? Well, I think strange is a good word for it, right? I mean, that's the, uh, that's, that seems to be the, uh, the most popular word in New England these days uh, with, in regards to the Patriots and, and their draft. Look, uh, you know, you wait around three and a half hours to see the Patriots draft. And, you know, I had my guys of choice. I think I let them be known to you about guys like Trevor Penning and guys like, like Devin Lloyd and the rest of them. And the Patriots do what the Patriots do. They take a guard from Chattanooga in the first round. And, you know, it's, it was at first I audibly said, of course they did. <laughs> like that was the first things that came out of my mouth is, is hearing them pick Cole Strange. And I actually did know who Cole Strange was. I, I yeah, had seen him at the, I know I, which I, I patted myself on the back for, uh, saw him at the senior bowl, actually really liked him when he was playing guard, not so much when he was playing center. And, you know, I, I thought it was, I think the operative word for it is strange, but then I go back and I look at the draft and I say, you know, Penning went off the board very quickly. Devin Lloyd went off right before they picked, and the Jaguars moved up to get him. Um, the Patriots decided to move back in this draft and accumulate picks and use those picks later on to move up. Um, so, and, and I think I had said that on your show. As I said, I think that's exactly what they're going to do. They're going to trade down. And, you know, it wasn't a surprise to me, but I think the way the draft fell – I don't think Nicobe Dean, who ends up going in the third round, was a guy that they were going to pick because of his size. Right. I thought they might go receiver, but they did go receiver in the second round, so there's that. But at guard, in that position, they have lost their best two guards over the last two years. Um, I understand that Cole Strange is maybe projected by some in the second, third round, and by some, I mean the Rams' entire front office. Oh my and God. How funny was that? I, you know, I mean, that was unbelievable that that was the case. And I'm sure Bill will get raked over the coals. But you know, Bill does things differently. Did he have an excellent draft last year? Yes, he absolutely nailed the draft last year, getting three premier players. The previous year is not so good. 
So this guy now has to live up to his first-round moniker, and his first-round moniker is now a starting, capable guard that is probably a pro bowler at some point in his career. Can he do that? I don't know. But we'll see. I, th- I thought this, the draft was, was certainly that. Um, outside of the first round, you know, there were some other questionable things, but, you know, there's some also some good things. So I, I, I agree with you in the sense that people throw around these draft grades like they're candy right after they drafted without seeing anybody playing. Right. So I just, I don't understand that at all to me. I think in this draft, especially there was a big, big gap between what the media saw on the field and what the executives in the front offices saw on the field. Yeah. And I think some of this, uh, and I don't want to say it's sour grapes necessarily, but I think some of this when it comes to the Patriots is because of the success that they've had over the years and, 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 and Belichick's reputation and people are almost looking for a reason to take a shot at, at the Patriots. And, you know, look, and maybe it'll be a bust. Maybe this, you know, maybe, maybe this will be another in Keel Harry situation, but maybe not, mm. you know, and I, and I think, you know, that's the problem is, is that, you know, he has had a lot of misses because he does kind of, as people like to say, marches to the beat of his own drummer and he has had a lot of misses. So, but, but I sometimes think it's, it's almost like, I said this on the show the other day with the Patriots, you either root for the Patriots or you hate them. It's like the Yankees in baseball. There's no, mm. there's no in between, and people seem to, you know, they're they're looking for a reason to take a shot at the Patriots. I agree with that, but I think there's people trying to justify their mock drafts. Oh. That's what I think. Well, that's yeah, that's fair. I, I, <laughs> that's fair. Like to me, it's just like, oh, my mock draft said this. It said he was a second or third round guy, and I'll never forget. Bill Walsh said this a long time ago, and I and you know, reading back in those records and just seeing you know his history and how good he was as a drafter, he said it doesn't matter where we pick him, as long as he can play. Right. And that that is something. Like, you know, oh, we want to get value this and value that in the draft and the value here. And Mel Kuyper's got – Mel Kuyper says there's no value, you know, and this, that, and the other. And, you know, again, I go right back to it. I go right back to Bill Walsh. I listen to Bill Walsh and Bill Belichick and Jimmy Johnson and all those people before I listen to Mel Kuyper, who's never been inside of anywhere inside of a team ever. So, you know, that's the way it is. And, uh, you know, if you want to listen to Daniel Jeremiah, who, and I like Daniel Jeremiah, I actually really do. He's a, he was an area scout. Has he run a draft room before? Right. Has he, like, I mean, that's my question. You know, like these guys are good. Like some of them are really good and they're, I'm not denying that like, they know what they're talking about when it comes to the film and the tape, but other people have different opinions of other players. Like you're not the center of the universe, Mel Kuyper, you know? And, and that's, 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 you know, where I draw the line. So people can say that the Patriots had a bad draft. Fine. We'll see. Uh, it's hard to judge them because their criteria is so different than every other team in the league. The, the one pick I did like, I did like the, the Tyquan Thornton pick because I mean, they need a guy mm. that, that can fly. Now I remember, you know, when we talked before the draft, you thought that the Patriots needed kind of a slot guy. Uh, Thornton's not necessarily that, but he is somebody that's got breakaway speed, and and you know that's that's a weapon that really uh, Mac Jones hasn't had. And so I mean, I would I would think uh, we probably have seen the last of Inkeel Harry in a Patriots uniform, don't you? Oh, if he's even on the team, maybe we're talking about Bill having you know a bad free agency period. The fact that he would even be there and, and available. The fact that Devontae Parker and now Tyquan Thornton has been drafted in the second round. 
uh, see you later. Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord splits you and kill Harry. Like that's that that is no question. So it, can he be traded? Can they get anything for him, or do they have to eat it? Is the question. But you know, yeah, more than likely. So so, but I really I I have a I keep going back and forth on Tyquan Thornton because yes, he was he ran the four two eight forty, the fastest time of anybody in the draft of the wide receiver position. Right. Uh, he's six foot two. That's great. But he's 180 pounds. He's very, he's rail thin. And, you know, he ran a four two eight forty, but he also had some really brutal times on like things like the three cone and, and other drills like that, that were not so like straight line speed. Um, the other thing about him, he is rail thin. They, they made a point and an emphasis of him having the, him having the, uh, the skinniest wrists in the draft, which I thought was odd. I guess that was true of the wide receivers, but he may have had the skinniest wrist and he may have a, uh, a frail frame. He only dropped three passes in the entire career at Baylor. Right. Uh, so, you know, I mean, I think he's sure handed and he can fly. There's no question that one of the things the Patriots wanted to do, they wanted to get tougher and they wanted to get faster. They drafted him. They drafted the fastest running back on the 40 time and Pierre strong out of South Dakota state. They got him. They got an electric, and probably my favorite pick of their draft, is that they got an absolutely electric player, Marcus Jones out of Houston, the cornerback, who looks outstanding, kick return, punt return specialist, but a really, really strong nickelback can really come up and tackle everything I like about Marcus Jones. I, I think he's a great patriot. Um, but they're also head, head scratchers. Why they drafted three guards is like beyond me. Uh, why they drafted, I mean, I kind of get why they drafted Bailey Zappi, the quarterback out of Western Kentucky, because Brian Hoyer's on his last legs and it puts Jared Stedham on notice. But then they go out and sign De'Ara King, who was at Miami as a quarterback, to an undrafted free agent contract. So I'm like, how many quarterbacks is we, well, it's not a, a position of need here. Right. Um, and Stidham, Stidham is still on the roster. So, you know, maybe they want to create competition for him. I'm not really sure, but it never seemed like they addressed, they did address corner, but they didn't address the main thing that we really wanted to see, and that was linebacker. Right, yeah. and, and, and they did not go after it, and I was very surprised by that. And it seems like with Kyle Van Oyd literally just signing today with the Chargers, he's not coming back. So it's, it's going to be Mac Wilson. It's going to be Juwan Bentley. Uh, it's going to be, you know, we'll see if Jabril Peppers plays safety slash linebacker. You know, it's going to be a lot of mix and matching and some of the guys that they have drafted in the past drafts that haven't played like Anthony Jennings and like Josh Uche and, and, and Cam McGrone and guys like that, that you haven't heard of that are on the roster and they, they just haven't developed and haven't played yet. So maybe those guys get some opportunities. Who knows? It's going to be a very interesting linebacker crew. It really is. When you look at the rest of the AFC East, uh, one thing that jumped out to me is I thought the New York Jets may have had their mm. best draft uh, in, in in as long as I can remember. I mean, you know, what a draft! Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, usually the Jets are good for screwing it up, and uh, I thought that top to bottom, I didn't think they made an awful lot of mistakes in this draft. No, I thought they were fantastic. I th- I, I told you I thought Sauce Gardner was the best best prospect in this whole draft. Yep. I really did him, him and Aiden Hutchinson were, were the best two. And, you know, they go out and get him a big, tall, lanky corner. That's, that's a Jalen Ramsey lookalike. They go out and get the best wide receiver in this draft. I don't think it's any question. And Garrett Wilson who's an explosive three level wide receiver. Yep. 
Then they were able to get a guy in their top 10 that they said was in their top 10 of draft picks and Jermaine Johnson at the end of the first round and trade back for him to help the D line and then get the best running back probably in this draft in Brees Hall. So, you know, there's, there's a lot to like about the Jets draft. And I'll tell you what, that Jets roster is getting very, very good. It really is. If they can block and if they can, if they can adjust on the right side of their offensive line and get Makai Becton healthy on the left side, they will – I may not bet they're over-under. I'm not betting the under with the Jets if it's at six this year. Like, it's, I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to. Really? You know, like, it, I, I, I really think the Jets are starting to look like, at least on paper, they're starting to look like a team that's actually putting it together. I can't believe I'm saying that, and the words are coming out of my mouth. Heaven forgive me. But the Jets are starting to, no pun intended, maybe take off. Uh, the Buffalo Bills didn't need an awful lot, did they? I mean, no. you know, I mean, it, you know, they. I, I thought their draft was, you know, kind of, kind of meh. I mean, I guess. I mean, James Cook. I, mm-hmm. I liked. I liked that pick. Um, but they didn't really have a lot of needs. So, do you think that you know, did the draft make them any better, or did it just make them a little bit deeper? I think probably deeper. I do think they had a couple of needs. I did think that it was good of them to get a running back, a little more power back in, in Cook, who's the who's Dalvin Cook's brother. Um, they they addressed the corner position, which they needed. Trey White, is we don't know if he's even going to be back for the start of the season. So to get Kair Elam, who is a very, very smart, very, like, moves very, like, fluidly smooth corner, uh, I thought that was solid for them. Uh, definitely. Yeah. I, I think guard is still a position that they still need to kind of address. I think they didn't the draft, but, but, uh, but still, I, I look, that team's a favorite to win the Super Bowl right now, according to Vegas. So there's not much to, to, to go off of there. Um, but yeah, no, I think the bills, it's the bills division right now. I've conceded that, uh, you know, and, and, and until somebody knocks them off, that's the way it will remain. Uh, the, the Dolphins didn't even have a pick, what, until like the third round or something in this draft? Like the third round, yeah, yeah it was I mean, crazy. So, uh, you know, because of all the tr- uh, the trades and stuff that they had made. Um, you know, so where where do you see, I mean, do you see the Dolphins making any kind of a run, or, or did they have kind of their moment in the sun a couple of years ago, and, and are they on the, on the downside now? I just, you know, to me, if Mike McDaniel can get something out of two and run this offense, they're going to be learning a brand new offense and they're losing the, one of the best defensive minds in football and Brian Flores. Right. Right. Um, so, you know, to me, their defense was nothing really to sneeze at last year. Uh, it played well for those seven games in a row when they went on that seven game winning streak, but you know, they, they squeaked a lot of games out and, you know, for me, it's, yeah, you have explosiveness with Waddle and Hill now, but, and you have Gasecki, uh, you have Miles Gaskin, you have some other players that have come in as well. But, and I think your offense could be solid, but where is your quarterback at? Where is your quarterback at? I mean, everything is on the shoulders of Tua. Which is, and until Tua, it's a lot. And until Tua can prove that he can be accurate throwing across the field, throwing out routes, Instead of just deep balls all the time, like people are going to figure out how to play the Dolphins. And, you know, you're going to have to have speed on the field. There's no question about that. But you know what? I, can, can the Dolphins' defense hold up too? Right. And, you know, you got nice young players like Christian Wilkins and Jalen Phillips, and you've got, you know, guys in the back end, Xavier Howard and, 
and Byron Jones, but uh, you know, there are guys like that. They're inconsistent. They're just inconsistent. And this, does the scheme fit? Like, can you beat them scheme wise? Can you punch them in the mouth? I don't see the dolphins anywhere. I, I don't see the progression. I don't see the progression of this team. I, I think this team is just stuck at an eight and nine, nine and eight record. Right. And maybe that's good enough to make the playoffs. Who knows? But you know, I, I'm just, I'm not sure if I feel as if the dolphins got uber better from where they were, even though they added Tyreek Hill. Speaking of where's your quarterback at, uh, Kenny Pickett, the first quarterback mm. taken in the draft. Um, and s- staying, I guess, I mean, you know, staying where he played college football, uh, obviously very excited about that. Chances that he competes for the starting job in Pittsburgh right away. Right away, I'd say, I think there's a good chance he'll compete for it. No question. Will he win it is the question. And, you know, to me, I don't really see him much better than Mitch Trubisky. Or, uh, I, I liken him more to, you know, a Daniel Jones athletically. Okay. With, with, you know, in, in that sense, is Daniel Jones is a first-round pick, and, you know, it is what it is. But is Kenny Pickett, you know, worth that pick at 20? I, I think you could make the argument, like, no question. I do like his athleticism. I like his poise. I think that he has a good head over his shoulders, and he's willing to work, and he'll probably sit more than likely, unless he performs amazingly in the preseason. But, you know, uh, it's going to take some time, and it was a typical Pittsburgh move. They moved. They got a guy who they saw every day in the same facility, and they got a guy who fits their mold of what, a quarter, of what kind of quarterback they want and what kind of quarterback they've had over the past, you know, decades. So, you know, uh, it, it wasn't – it made all the sense in the world that it, it, it almost felt like it made too much sense and we needed to back off of it and that Willis would be the guy that they would take. But, no, Kenny Pickett was always – it was always Kenny Pickett. If you had to make a pick of, of what team won the draft, was it the Jets, uh, the Baltimore Ravens? Maybe you could make a case. They had a heck of a draft as well. I mean, do you ha- is there one team to you that stood out that you said, man, they really nailed it? I loved what the Philadelphia Eagles did. Really? Okay. I just loved it. I thought the, the Eagles were able to get the biggest monster – in this draft, in Jordan Davis, uh, I mean that was uh, to 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 match him up with Fletcher Cox. I mean that is an incredible, incredible feat for them to do that. And he'll be a replacement when Cox retires. They also end up adding a center in Cam Jurgens from Nebraska, who is a very athletic center that's going set to replace Jason Kelsey when he retires. Okay. And then and then the the trade of the draft, AJ Brown, them being able to trade for AJ Brown. It was Howie Roseman. Howie Roseman, chef kiss, mwah. Like, that's what it was for him. I, I think, and I don't care what anybody says about Howie Roseman, that guy moves more pieces and chess pieces than anybody on the planet. He's like Bobby Fischer with his draft picks. I mean, he really is. So he's, he'll, he'll move and he'll, and he'll kind of just navigate the draft board and navigate his trades and do all these things, and he made a big move for a big-time wide receiver. And they got it. So they can match up with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and then Dallas Goddard in the middle. And they have Miles Sanders. They are low. They, that team is really good. And then not only that, they're able to go out in the third round and get a falling to Kobe Dean to play linebacker. Right. So, you know, I mean, I think they filled a lot of holes here defensively and got a really, really good receiver. I'm sorry. They're, to me, they're the team to beat in the NFC East right now. Really? I, I don't need, I, yeah, absolutely. I, I have, I have not a lot of faith in Dallas Cowboys to be able to, to keep things together. 
this year. I, I am I'm in on the Eagles. I love, love, love what the Eagles are doing. Um, so uh, there was a lot of talk about uh, the quarterback uh, at where you are at uh, at Liberty. Uh, Malik, Lewis, mm-hmm. a lot of people thought he might be a first-round pick. He drops all the way to the third round, ends up going to the Titans. And then, you know, Ryan Tann- Tannehill did not do himself a lot of favors this week where he said, my job is not uh, to, to mentor Malik Willis. My job is to, to beat him out for the job. Uh, it, it didn't come off uh, very well, I didn't think. Yeah, I don't think he played that very well. You know, we dealt with this here with Brady, right? I mean, Brady just hates the idea that somebody's going to come in and replace him. And that whole Jimmy G saga we went through back a couple of years ago and and how crazy and dramatic that was. And Tannehill, I think Tannehill, you know, wants to have a mentality of that, but Tannehill just doesn't have the cachet. And, you know, to be honest with you, when you're coming off of a playoff game where you threw three very critical interceptions and cost your team, a team, by the way, that sacked the quarterback nine times, the opposite quarterback nine times in the game and still lost because of you. I mean, you don't really have a lot of wiggle room here. And it should be on high alert to you that if we're drafting a quarterback, you know, a quarterback of that stature that people like, you might want to get your ass in gear. Like, you know, I mean, just, just a thought. Instead of, you know, putting a foot in, putting the foot in your mouth and, and trying to be this macho man, like, I think this has really affected Tannehill. I really do. I, I, I think that he's actually on thin ice. I think, I think this is an insurance policy for him. Really? He's an older quarterback. He's 33 at the, at the moment. Like, you know, I mean, so, you know, Malik is not going to play right away. There's no question he's not going to play right away. But, I mean, the athleticism and what you could do with this kid, if it all works out, and what you could have behind Derrick Henry and that guy, I mean, they could change their whole offense if they wanted to and really be dangerous dealing with that. So I really, you know, I'm happy for Malik. Obviously, he's one of my, you know, favorite players in the draft, obviously. Um, and having been at his pro day, you know, I I was, like, super impressed at his pro day. I was super impressed with him playing you know, is he a perfect player? No. Does he make interceptions that he shouldn't make? Yes. And he does need to work on, you know, reading NFL defenses. But I do think if he can just get some of these things down, sky's the limit for him, man. I mean, he's he's going to be a fun player if he can get the fundamental things that he needs to get worked on, worked on. So my, uh, my candidate for the uh, Oakland Raiders uh, soap opera of the year uh, is we're going to we're, no we're going to switch venues. It's not going to be in Oakland this year. I think the soap opera team of 2022 is going to be the Arizona Cardinals. It kind of mm-hmm. it kind of you know it kind of started already, and you know it started you know prior to the to the draft. Or actually, started towards last year with the you know the whole Kyler Murray thing, and and now DeAndre Hopkins has gotten himself suspended for six games for PEDs and you know he's coming off an injury to begin with and it just looks like the 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 Cardinals look like they might be an absolute train wreck this year. They may have so many distractions despite the fact they've got an awful lot of talent. They may have trouble working past all those distractions they've got going on right now. I think the heat is getting to them. I, I don't know why it's it's just it's <laughs> wild what's going on over there. I mean, you've got the Kyler Murray saga. 
you've got them letting Christian Kirk go and then Christian Kirk signing this monster deal with the Jaguars for some reason and resetting the entire wide receiver market. Right. Uh, you, you've got DeAndre Hopkins getting suspended for six games for PEDs. And now we're all thinking, oh, maybe that's why they traded for Hollywood Brown on, on draft night. Right. You know, so, you know, and then they, they do that. And it's like they're just doing everything to try to appease Kyler Murray. It sounds like Kyler Murray's okay now. He's all pumped up that his former teammate at Oklahoma is going to be playing with him. But, you know, I mean, is this the right move exactly that you want? Does he fit what you're trying to do? To me, the, the fact that the, the fact that the Ravens were able to fleece a first-round pick for Hollywood Brown yep. is is surprising, is really surprising. I'm not sure what Arizona is doing. And I, I, I will honestly hot seat, hot seat right now for Kingsbury. I'm tell you right now, that whole thing and Steve Kime, put them both on the hot seat right now because right now things are not working. They lose Chandler Jones. I mean, there's there's a lot of bad mojo, bad mojo uh, right now going on in, in in the Valley of the Sun. I'm I'm not. I'm not convinced right now that they're in a very good place at all, and it could be rough waters for them this season if they don't correct it. Uh, another team that's that's had some rough waters of late, uh, the New York Giants. Um, they had a decent draft, I thought. Um, but yeah. But what's interesting is is that they they've already decided they're not picking up Daniel Jones's fifth year option, right? And and so you know if you're the Giants, where where are you going from here? I mean, they didn't draft a quarterback, so where are you going from here? I think this is the year for Dable and Schoen, the two new guys from Buffalo, to see what they have in their quarterback. Uh, and if 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 the quarterback has, you know, what they think. I think at this point, Daniel Jones would have to have the season of his life right. to stay as a Giants quarterback. Agreed. I really believe that. He would have to get them to the playoffs. They would have to, you know, look like there's an upward trajectory somewhere for them to avoid drafting one of the quarterbacks in the draft next year, and there's plenty of them to draft. So I did love what they did. I love the fact that they got Thibodeau and they got Evan Neal. I thought they got those two. Those are two really, really good players that they addressed. They addressed the offensive and defensive line. Perfect. Exactly what they needed to do. They got tougher at both those positions. They got better at both those positions, and they needed to. But you need to figure out, A, what do you have in your quarterback? B, what are we doing with Saquon Barkley? Um, you know, I mean, there's those two guys right there. Uh, what are we getting out of those two? And, that, and that's what Dable has to figure out in his first season for him and go from there. Because then after this season, it's going to – this is, this is okay, this season, who wants to actually play for this team? That's what his job to figure out. He doesn't have to win games this year. He's got to figure out who's a giant, you know, right. who is a giant. And if, and if he can do that, then he's going to find out a lot of players are and a lot of players aren't. And is Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley Giants? We're going to find out. Uh, another team that, that had a lot of work to do uh, and still, uh, even even though they had a decent draft, the Washington uh, Commanders or the Washington Commies or whatever you want to call it. I mean, so, you know, I mean, I thought their draft was pretty good. But, again, you know, right now uh, – Carson Wentz is their guy, and I'm not sure Carson Wentz is going to be able to, to – I don't care what kind of draft they had, whether they're going to be able to compete in that division or not. I mean, I know you love the the, uh, 
the Eagles, but the rest of that division kind of stinks. So, I mean, you would think that, you know, perhaps, maybe, maybe if Carson Wentz can can find the magic again, can can they compete? I just, I'm not sure. I, 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 mean, I don't, Howell's, I'm not, I don't, I don't think. Answer, no, no, I don't think he is. And and you know, to me, Sam Howell, you know, may, maybe I, I honestly think Sam Howell. Not this year, he's not the answer, but Sam Howell, I, I wouldn't put it past Sam Howell to be a guy that maybe in the future could be competing okay. for a starting role. But, you know, and that's way down the line, but they're not doing anything this year. I mean, Jahan Dotson is a nice ad, you know, that's yep. great. They got him. Like, that goes great with Terry McMorrin, and they needed another guy. They need to stay healthy on the defensive line. That's right. that's what they that's what they run through. They, that whole team runs through that defensive line. And Rivera is going to have that defense set ready to go. Can can they, you know, be that defensive front that they were two years ago, and get that team to the playoffs again? And and look, you know, God bless Carson Wentz. I hope he I hope he has you know all types of success. But you know, at the end of the day. We just can't be having the type of plays that he's making in Jacksonville to cost the Colts a playoff game. We right. can't have it. Right. You know, we can't have you throwing backwards passes in the end zone for safeties. It just, it's, it's not the game that we all know and love, Carson. And I know you know that. So it's, it, until proven otherwise, there's just no way that I could say, you know, they're better than Dallas. They're better than Philly. Like, there's, there's just no way. I can't say that. So last team I want to touch on before we, uh, we call it a, a day here. Uh, the the 49ers um ah uh, yes jimmy g had uh, your boy jimmy g had shoulder surgery so uh, any chances yep. of trading him have pretty much gone out the window so uh, is it is it are they com- is it Trey Lancer bust are they committed to that now do you think or or do or is the fact that jimmy had shoulder surgery are they kind of stuck with maybe competition going into this year I am still, you know, the 49ers brass has been super quiet and super patient with the, all the situations that are going on. They are trying to hold on to this. They added a couple of D tackles in the draft and they always do that. They're, they're, they're always deep at that position, but the idea of Jimmy G staying, I think has just been kind of a foregone conclusion. I think Jimmy G is holding up the rest of the quarterback market. Because people really don't know what they're getting. Is he healthy? Can he play? You know, he's a viable quarterback. He's probably the most viable quarterback right now on the market. You know, you could argue Baker Mayfield if you wanted to, but Baker Mayfield is, is you know, it's, it's the jury's still out. Jimmy is a Super Bowl quarterback. I don't even want to talk about Baker yeah. Mayfield anymore. Right, exactly. <laughs> so there you go. But but I think he's holding up that market. I, I am still under the impression that Trey Lance will be the starting quarterback next year. You do not draft a quarterback at number three overall to not have him start. Right. right. You know, and, and are, unless you're going to pay Jimmy, which you're not going to, right. then it's Trey Lance's team. Can they get Debo Samuel back in, in business? That is another huge right. question mark, you know, that they have to figure out. So, you know, and we sounds like he wants out. I mean, he's I mean, everything you see on social media, he's like, you know, it it doesn't seem like that's fixable. Well, we know that the Jets and the Lions offered those two trades during the draft for him. And, you know, and the 49ers said, no, I think they are going to try and figure this whole thing out. And it's going to be a long summer for them. But the 49ers, to me, still are one of the toughest teams in football. 
Um, it's a matter of did their quarterback develop enough for them to be able to run the offense the way they want to. And, you know, now they're losing another offensive coordinator. This is Shanahan's baby. It's Shanahan's team now. So what do they have? They've lost, they've lost their defensive coordinator and two offensive coordinators in, in two years. So, you know, where are they getting the rest of the brain child to go along with what Shanahan is doing? And, you know, to me, I still think they have one of the best defenses in the league. I still think they, they are loaded with good weapons, George Kittle among them. They have a great offensive line, and they run a very specific scheme. Can Trey Lance run that scheme, and can he be more dynamic than Jimmy in that scheme? Uh, it's going to be hard. You know, the 49ers are like the fourth choice to win the Super Bowl of the Vegas odds. And it's kind of hard to believe because, you know, there's so many questions around them. So, you know, you're seeing some of these teams that are below them. I don't know. I'm starting to see some value on some teams below them right now because San Francisco, like, yeah, they made the Super Bowl a couple years ago. They were were minutes from the Super Bowl last year. It's, It's hard to see why they are ranked so high on the Vegas odds. And there's just a lot of question marks around that team. So it's going to be an interesting summer. They might be the most interesting team to watch this summer with all the changes that's going on there. Well, I think I think some of it may be. I mean, the old adage, and it doesn't matter what sport it is, defense wins championships. And mm-hmm. because their defense is so good, I mean, uh, that may be what they're looking at. But you're right. And maybe it would behoove them, even if Trey Lance is the guy, it may behoove them to hang on to Jimmy G. I mean, it may just be that, that, that you know, you figure out a way to, to have them coexist so that at least you've got that safety net if you need it. It's a financial decision, though. Yeah, true. I mean, it comes back down to finances. Yeah. And the 49ers are, are strapped they're right gonna, now. They're at the they, clearly cannot, they clearly cannot afford Debo Samuel. Right. I mean, that, if, if the, for the money that he wants, right. they clearly can't afford him. He doesn't want to be a running back. He wants to be a wide receiver and you know, he wants to go to a place that's going to treat him like a wide receiver. Can they come to a compromise on that? That's a great question, you know, and what does it mean for the future of the 49ers? Who do they have to move? You know, is Trent Williams going to retire or come off the books? You know, I mean, that's a huge contract that they have. Like somebody's got some, they got to move around the money. They, they convert signing losses, do something like we know the cap is crap, obviously, but like, right. you know, we, we're going to have to, they're going to have to figure it out. It's not like they don't have cap issues. They're, they're strapped with it because they have a lot of big contracts. So how do they continue? That's the whole issue. And that's why everybody was so enamored by what the Patriots were able to do is how can you manage a cap to completely stay competitive and keep winning? And, and this is what the teams like the chiefs have already dealt with, with Tyree kill. And this is what teams like the 49ers are going through right now right. With, with, with what they're doing. So it's not easy. It's a delicate time for teams that are spending money. Well, uh, Dan, we've gone 34 minutes, and we did not mention the Tampa Bay Buccaneers once. Wow. Uh, you know, and I, I'm actually kind of proud of that. me too me too we didn't have to fall back into our crutch with tom brady and the tampa bay bucks uh but hey he's playing in munich though he's the first uh, german the first germany game uh tom brady's going so there's your tom brady news oh by the way the uh the kansas city chiefs as far as i'm concerned won the draft with the best name in the draft sky (laughs) oh you like that name i love that name 
Love that. Great name. name. Looks like he can play a little. Great bit. name. So. Uh, he's a good player. He's he good. That was a slot guy that I was hoping the Patriots might get, but he's a very good route runner. Very well, good. Look, when camps open up and we get ready for some preseason football, we'll have you on. And until then, my friend, enjoy the summer. Uh, it's been great having you on, and uh, I really appreciate you spending some time with us this morning. Gene, Gene, you're the best. We'll we'll keep pumping out shows on the Sunday card for you all summer, and we're we're going to be where the boys of summer are really the boys of fall in in, in my world. So you know, we we just keep on trucking on in the Sunday card, and uh, you know we'll we'll talk down the road. Dan Zapano here on Sports Country Radio. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back Monday with another edition of the Wake Up Call for Dan Zapano. I'm Gene Gums. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.